you have your Bible, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 31. And in the previous chapter of 30, and where we're being led today, was in the ending of chapter 30, Jacob, who had spent 20 years with his uncle Laban, has now carried on to what he said he was going to do on the time frame that he was going to serve him. And Jacob had come to the end of that time to where he requested to be freed, to go back to his homeland in Canaan. But his uncle Laban was trying to pull another fast one. He didn't want, he didn't want them to go. He tried to use the whole, um, guilt trip of, of leaving him and, and, and the fact that his daughters were his and his grandsons were his. So Laban was kind of a dictator. He was a possessive, he was a conniving dictator. But God had spoken to, J- to Jacob and told him that I want you to return to, to the homeland of your fathers, in which you are part, the part of the inheritance. So what had happened was is that Jacob made an arrangement with Laban and told him th- that basically he would go ahead and separate the flocks and that Laban would get the, the better of the flocks, or not the better, but the but the solid-colored flocks, which would normally be better. And Jacob would take what was called the speckled flocks, which was not so much exactly desirable in the purchase of livestock. And so what had happened was, is as Jacob was breeding some of the flocks that he was taking and that he was going to be taking, it just turned out that the ones that he had on his side that he agreed with turned out just to be better stock. And, and so at the end of chapter, at the end of chapter 30, Jacob has now come to the point to where it's time for him to go. He'd become very prosperous. The Lord had blessed him. All of the livestock, which was an indication of a man's wealth in these days, which was part of it, uh, between servanthood and, and livestock and, and miscellaneous other little things that determined the amount of somebody's wealth, Jacob was blessed. He had a separated flock of lambs, goats, and, and, and uh, donkeys, and so on and so forth. There were camels involved. And Jacob was blessed with the good flocks. So now we're going to get to the point in Genesis chapter 31 where now Jacob decides to flee. He decided to go on his own will and, and leave. He decided to go ahead and, and, and run with his family. Now I say that because it was on his will, on his own will to do it the way he did it. God told him that he wanted to go back to the he wanted him to go back to Canaan, which was the homeland of, of what he was promised. But in the way Jacob did it, he did it in a way that was more or less on his own way, be out of fear. And we're going to see that. We're going to see exactly how he dealt with that. So if you have your Bible with you, we're going to be doing large amounts of reading today by verses in chapter 31. I'm going to start off in verses 1 through 13. And it says, Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's. And from what was our father's, that he has acquired all his wealth. And Jacob saw the countenance of Laban, and indeed it was not favorable toward him as before. And then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field to his flock, and said to them, I see your father's countenance, that it is not favorable toward me as before. But the God of my father has been with me. 
And you know that with all my might I have served your father. Yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not allow him to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flocks are bore speckled. And if he said thus, the streaked shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. And it happened all the time that when the flocks conceived that I, that I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the rams which leaped upon the flocks were streaked, speckled, and gray spotted. Then the angel of God spoke to me in a dream, saying, Jacob and I said, Here I am. And he said, Lift your eyes now and see all the rams which leap on the, on the flocks are streaked, speckled, and gray spotted, for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land and return to the land of your family. So as I mentioned before, the, the agreement of their payment was for Jacob's service, that Jacob said that I would take the speckled goats and the sheep. The normal circumstances would be that they weren't worth as much as the solid color livestock. But I want to point out a comment that Laban's sons had made in verse 1. They said that Jacob took away what was Laban's for himself. See, that was not the case. He didn't take anything outside of what they agreed. It just so happened that Jacob's livestock was better livestock. The fact of the matter was that Jacob said that I would take the speckled, I would take the street, the street. And Laban agreed that he would take the solid. Well, it just so happened everything that bred came out speckled and streaked. So therefore, Laban got the shorter end of the stick by God's hand and his approval of the breeding. And what we're seeing is the typical case of envy, though. You know, Jacob was the servant and was now wealthier than the master. The sons being loyalists to their father had become a little like their father Laban, it sounds like. And I'm sure that they were thinking of themselves in the future, that their inheritance wouldn't be as great. So jealousy can lead to gossip, gossip to lies, and lies to destroyed lives. And what it was on Jacob's end was God's favor and God's promise to Jacob of the blessings of Abraham. Laban was taking advantage of Jacob for a long time. And what Laban didn't realize or possibly just ignored was that God sees all things and he deals justly with all things. See, God spoke to Jacob at Bethel before. So he instructed him to go back to where they, they met some years back in Bethel. You know, we see as where 14 years or 20 years had gone by and God waited to come to Jacob to instruct him to return home. And, and here is where I emphasize God and his ways. Where When we are powerless to foul play from other people, God still meets the needs and, and can still allow his own to thrive through the trials. You know, we can learn that if, if we respond unfairly and in the same fashion, then we are no different than those who wronged us. Uh, I've seen many cases where a believer will try to retaliate. Yet something worse happened to the culprit before they did anything. God is good. You know, as he showed his abilities while protecting and preventing his own from doing more harm, which is something we tend to do. We want to we want to take an eye for an eye. A tooth for a tooth, but you see God says vengeance is mine. And and very common.
very common is it for us to, to want to be able to do that, to have that retribution. But in, see, in this case, God had a different sort of retribution for Laban because Laban seemed to be thriving on that of success. And therefore, he's the one who got the short end of the stick after 20 years of, of messing with Jacob and ripping him off and, and destroying his wages. Jacob took nothing from him. They made an agreement. Laban went for it. He just ended up short-handed. Why? Because God said that I'm going to do this for you. All these, all these sheep and goats are going to be speckled. <laughs> They're all yours. They're going to be just exactly what you agreed. He's not going to get much out of the deal. And so again, the hand of God was on Jacob. Why? Because Jacob stayed the course in doing what was right. At least for once, because Jacob had an, Jacob had a way of of deceiving himself in the past. But in this case, Jacob was doing what was right, and that's what God was favoring. Favoring those who do what's right in his eyes. Let's take a look at verses 14 to 21. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there still any portion of inheritance for us in our father's house? You know, we are not considered strangers by him, for he has sold us and also completely consumed our money. For all these riches which God has taken from our father are really ours and our children's. Now then what God has said to you, do it. Then Jacob rose and set his sons and his wives on camels. And he carried away all his livestock and all his possessions which he had gained, his acquired livestock which he had gained in Padan Aram, to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. Now Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the household idols that were in her father's. And so Jacob stole away, Jacob stole away unknown to Laban the Syrian, in that he did not tell him that he intended to flee. So he fled with all that he had. He arose and crossed the river and headed toward the mountains of Gilead. The proof of the dysfunction was obviously seen. You know, by the comments made by Laban's daughters, we see that Rachel stole the household idols from her father. So that was an indication that she didn't really respect him very well. But he was obviously not a respectable man himself. He was an idol worshiper. So that was definitely against him in God's eyes. And we can see that the travel was a task. There was 11 sons and a daughter involved with livestock. You know, we think of driving in a car for a long distance and, and say, I'm not up for that. Okay, because this area where he, was, uh, where he was going to, Mount Gilead, was about a 300-mile trip from where he, was, where he was at. Now, 300 miles in a car could take about four hours if you're driving a normal speed. So try this with camels and livestock through a rugged desert with 11 people, 12 people. We see that, you know, family issues in regards to possessions and inheritance have been around from the beginning of time. The daughters, they realized that what was at stake in the matter and said, we're gone, let's go. Rachel taking the idols from the house is a mystery, as it could have been a a form of revenge to her father why she did it. Second, maybe it was to keep him from worshipping them, maybe. Uh, The idols in these uh, these areas uh, and times were a representation a lot of times of their deceased relatives, as well as uh, the gods in their region as well. But you see, most of all, the division caused by deceit is the most difficult to read here. 
The, the lessons we can learn from others past are valuable lessons which can prevent personal scars on our own personal lives. I remember talking to my son who was 13 uh, at the time, which is again, 13 is a, a ripe age for witnessing the start of bad things in the world and in schools. And what I told him was, is a, do you know how to get away with things when you do something wrong? Do you know how to get away with something? I just blankly told him, don't do it at all. <laughs> if you want to know how to get away with something, don't do it at all. Why? Because you will be in God's favor. And you won't have to answer for anything that way. If someone lies or accuses, God knows what's going on. And that, and that is all that matters. You won't have to answer for anything as long as God knows what it was that you have done in truth. And so Jacob did nothing wrong. Now Leah took the idols, but Jacob was unknowing of it. But as I, I wish I would have known this years ago for myself, <laughs> as I have instructed my son. It, 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 it was very, very easy common sense, but very godly instruction. If you want to stay clear of things of bad, then don't do something bad. Now, will it stop somebody from from accusing? No. People will, will lie and people will accuse. But all that matters is that God knows. Because God is the judge and God is the protector. In verse 22 to, to uh, 35. And Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled. And then he took his brethren with him and pursued him for seven days for a seven days journey, and he overtook him in the mountains of Gilead. But God had come to Laban, the Syrian, in a dream by night, and said to him, Be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good nor bad. So Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mountains, and Laban with his brethren pitched in the mountains of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What have you done? that you have stolen away unknown to me and carried away my daughters like captives, taken with the sword. Why did you flee away secretly and steal away from me and not tell me, for I might have sent you away with joy and songs, with, with timbrel and harp, and you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you have done foolishly in so doing. It is in my power to do you harm, but the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good nor bad. And now you have surely gone because you greatly long for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? And then Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I said, Perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force. With whomever you find your gods, do not let him live. In the presence of your brethren, identify what I have of yours and take it with you. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. And Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the two maids' tents, but he did not find them. 
Then he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household idols and put them in the camel's saddle on, and sat on them. And Laban searched all about the tent, but did not find them. And she said to her father, Let it not displease my lord that I cannot rise before you, for the man, manner of woman is with me. And he searched, but did not find the household idols. Jacob had really gotten into some wild predicaments. He, he had to run from his brother, now his father-in-law. You know, the fact that God visited Laban and told him not to do anything to Jacob shows that Laban had motives for sure, and possibly some deadly ones. Uh, God gave Jacob the go-ahead to go back to the land of inheritance, so he was in the right. He lived up to the agreement between him and Laban. But Laban was not a man of integrity. Yeah, he tried to give the right speech. I didn't I didn't say goodbye to my grandkids. I didn't say goodbye to my daughters. But he showed his true colors when he asked Jacob the question in verse 30, "Why did you steal my gods?" He searches diligently for those items. Because technically Jacob took nothing, but his daughter Rachel did and and hid them in the bag as she sat on it. You know, chip off the old block, I suppose, in the realm of deviousness. But Laban was after his gods, probably other worldly possessions he wanted to claim as well. But, but it's interesting that, that he was visited by the one true God, Yahweh, creator of the heavens and earth, the universe, all living things of mankind and animals. Yet what he worshipped was these gods with a small g, of course, that, which were stolen now, how funny is that, that, that gods with such an influence had to be found by a guy like Laban and stolen by his daughter? You know, for him to be spoken to by the one true God and, and to be worried about his items of stone or wood shows where his true heart is. See, God has intervened for his grandfather, Abraham, on a, on a course of occasions. Pharaoh of Egypt, uh, the king of the Philistines, Abimelech. And, and again, I'm reminded, once again, if God is for us, who can be against us? Why worship the things of this world is the absolute proof of man's, of man's downfall. It's absolutely amazing that these stolen little idols called gods had to be relied on on the man by the name of Laban who had no integrity to be found. And why we would not worship the true God, especially when He has spoken to us personally, is a is a very uh, is a very concernable thing. We see where Laban's heart was, we see where his mind was, and we see where his treasure was. It gets interesting here in verse thirty six to forty five. Then Jacob was angry and rebuked Laban. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is my trespass? What is my sin that you have so hotly pursued me? Although you have searched all my things, what part of your household things have you found? Set it here before my brethren and your brethren that they may judge between us both. These twenty years I have been with you, your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried their young, and I have not eaten the rams of your flock." That which was torn by beast, I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it. You required it from my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was in the day that the drought consumed me, and the frost by night and my sleep departed from my eyes. Thus I have been in your house twenty years. 
I served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock, and you have changed my wages ten times. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. And Laban answered and said to Jacob, These daughters are my daughters and these children are my children, and this flock is my flock. All that you see is mine. But what can I do this day to these my daughters or their children whom they have borne? Now therefore come, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be witness between you and you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. Twenty years in the home of Laban and dealing with the life. Uh, interesting how in a lot of companies, <laughs> a lot of companies allow retirement after twenty years of service. But this was definitely a, somewhat of a bittersweet uh, situation, as you can tell from Jacob's response. Jacob worked harder than ever. So he was pretty hot and bothered as this was written in Hebrew. The, the word was kara, which, which means to be burning with anger. And, and God told Laban to be careful how you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. See, but he obviously didn't listen entirely to God. God seen all that Jacob had done during his 20 years. And though Jacob was in God's favor and plan, God, being just and perfect in all ways, would not have let Jacob live dishonestly in theft or in other things that were displeasing to God. Even Jacob would not have gotten away with it. Jacob made known that even some from his flocks that he, that he had were killed by animal attacks and he took the loss versus taking a couple of Labans when he didn't notice. He took pay cuts and all sorts of things that any loyal employee really dreads. Or any family member could dread of that from a loved one who supplies. God has been very clear on his commands on the dealings of servants and master. And a lot of these scriptures were uh, were given years after of what we're seeing here. As, as this is the book of Genesis, okay, the Genesis, the origin of why God created laws and doctrine. And it was because of the accounts of what we're seeing throughout Genesis. God is a God of unity. And God does not dwell in atmospheres of disunity. God has instructed both sides of the ancient day for slave and master, which would be like employer to employee in our day. See, the requirement was mutual care, honor, and respect for one another. They were to care for one another, to respect one another. Now, Jacob did that which is why he was furious toward Laban. And I can assure you that God is furious towards Laban as well. In verse 46, Then Jacob said to his brethren, Gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap. And they ate there on the heap. Laban called it Jagar Shahadu. But Jacob called it Gilead. And Laban said, This heap is a witness between you and me this day. Therefore its name called Gilead, also Mizpah, because he said, May the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent from one another. If you afflict my daughters, or if you take other wives besides my daughters, although no man is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. 
Then Laban said to Jacob, Here is the heap, and here is the pillar, which I have placed between you and me. This heap is a witness, and this pillar is a witness, that I will not pass beyond this heap to you, and you will not pass beyond this heap and this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, and the God of their father judge between us. And Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain, and called his brethren to eat bread, and they ate bread and stayed all night on the mountain. And early in the morning Laban arose and kissed his sons and daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his place. This was an interesting covenant. In the binding of the agreement, you know, a third party had to be a witness normally. Uh, the term of, the term Mizpah was used as a term that God will be the witness and the enforcer of whoever breaks it. You know, when God made the Chaldean covenant with Abraham, it was done with an animal that was cut in half. And this was normally what was called a Chaldean covenant in that region of Iraq. The two people would meet one another in between the two animals. And it meant that whoever breaks the covenant, may this be your fate of that of the animal. And, and God put Abraham to sleep when that happened. God put Abraham to sleep and God came down in the form of a torch. And God passed through the sacrificed animal by himself. Why? Because a covenant is only something that God himself can carry through. And because of the because of the seriousness of the uh, the Chaldean covenant, God was making sure that His covenant with Abraham was shown that He was going to go through with it. This form of a covenant between them was was not in a positive sense, though. You stay on your side; I will stay on mine. You know, if you cross it, then it's your life. That's, that's what this covenant was. This was not a covenant of love. This was not a covenant of grace or mercy. This was a covenant of, you break it, you, you die. And what it was, is it was two men. It was the two men saying, I don't trust you. You're a crook, and may God deal severely with the one who breaks it. This is what this particular covenant had to do with. And this is the sad situation of in-laws being outlaws. You know, integrity from the beginning has been on the downside. When Jesus was speaking to his disciples, he told them that, I send you amongst wolves, so be as wise as serpents but as gentle as doves. See, nothing will survive in any relationship where there is no truth, unity, harmony, or love. We see the instruction in the scripture. And, and we may have seen examples in others, but when we don't live it, then we will never see God's light. We will never see his glory in our own lives or, or in those around us. We will be surrounded by people who are like Laban. But the blessing will be on those who are the opposite of him. So we have to remember that. We may be surrounded by Labans, but the blessing will be on those who do the opposite of that of Laban. We cannot control what others do around us. But just because others do things on their own accord doesn't mean we have to. The more we know about God, and the, the more we know about His Word, the, is the more we know about His character and what He's done, the more spirited we will become with, with God.
And there's one, there's one way to be more spirited with God. And that is to be one with Him. How do we be that? How do we become one with God? That's simple. By receiving His Son, Christ Jesus, as Lord and Savior, which was by His words and His command, in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven. He said that nobody enters the kingdom unless they've been born again. And by receiving Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, and by receiving Him in truth of your heart, by confessing your sins, in doing so in truth, you receive Him into your heart, and you are now a follower of Him. And that is what the Bible teaches us in the way of salvation. But as we receive, as we receive Him, we also must stay the course of walking closely with Him. See, Jesus wasn't just about coming down here to teach us to be better people. He came down here to bring those who were dying to life and bring those to dying to life for all eternity. So it goes much more beyond Him trying to make us better people. He came to bring us to life because we were dying spiritually and eternally. If you want to live eternally with Him, there is one simple way, and that is through a prayer of faith. And may you say this prayer in truth, and may you continue in the study of His Word. May you continue in in the strength of, of prayer constantly. May you be of service to Him in any way that your capacity that you've been called. And may you see the riches of His glory through your life by doing so. If you want to receive Him now, I go ahead and say this prayer after me. And you can receive the Lord in your heart. Repeat after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And Lord, I pray that you would cleanse me of my sins. And Father, may you receive me, Lord, into your kingdom. Lord, I want to thank you for dying on the cross for me, Lord. I want to thank you for having me, Lord, as I receive you as my Lord and my Savior and my Father. So, Lord, I ask of you in my heart now, as I receive you as my Lord, my Savior, my King. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I pray that you've said that and said it in truth. There was a, there was a preacher by the name of Charles Spurgeon back in the 1800s in England. He said something, he said many things that have caught my eye. And caught my ear. And he said that if, if we don't, if we are not concerned about the salvation of other people, then are we even saved ourselves? Well, I pray more than anything that with everything that's being done, that souls are being saved by what you're hearing through God's word. May you receive Him. And everything I'm doing is nothing more than reading His Word and giving the opportunity to receive the salvation through it. So may God bless you. And may you continue in strength and in truth.